Alex Lloyd and welcome to the Spiritual Laws of Nature and welcome especially today to a new series I'm starting, The Five Questions and today is question number one which is, what is the meaning of life? <laughs> That's a little thing, right? We can cover that in five minutes and be on to something else. Well, uh, obviously not. Um, man has been pondering, and man and woman have been pondering over this question as long as there have been men and women, as best I can tell. And um, I would say probably there is nothing out there in the world that would be considered a consensus resolution of what the answer to this question is. So I'm going to try to, to talk about different angles to look at it through and then I'll give you my own two cents, okay, that you have every right to disagree with about what is the meaning of life. Um, as, I, as I prayed and meditated for months in preparation for starting this, I thought about my own journey and all the different ways I had really tried to answer this question for myself. I was brought up in a very strict religious uh, setting where I, I would have answered, I think, what is the meaning of life? Um, well, it depends on what age. Probably at a little age, I probably would have said something like uh, to not get killed or something. But then later, as I got older, I think I would have said uh, uh, at one point in my life probably to not get thrown into hell. Okay? I think that would have been my answer at one point in my life. Uh, I think at another point in my life, I might have said to be successful in ways that I was starting to think about, okay, I'm going to go out as a man and try to make my own way in the world, not just under my parents' umbrella, and ooh boy, am I going to be able to do that? Or am I going to be a failure and fall flat on my face? Okay, uh, There were times I would have answered on the basis of relationship and how relationships were going, okay? So different times in my life I think I would have answered differently and looked at it differently. But as I work on problems that are problems for me or problems I'm trying to help resolve for somebody I'm working with, I love to try to boil things down to kind of their least common denominator, okay? So let's take a look at some of that. There, there's some people that say, a large group as a matter of fact today, that reality is perception. Okay, And when you talk about the meaning of life, you're talking about, well, what is reality? What's the meaning of reality? And there's a large group that would say, well, it's each person's perception. And their perception is their truth. So. There could be, if there's a hundred people, a hundred different realities about this board because each person's perception of this board may be different from someone else's and 
this viewpoint is saying all of those are legitimate. Okay? Well, I've got a problem with that one right off because the premise uh, is, a fa is based on a fallacy. Because what that is saying is there is no concrete reality. All re reality is perception. But making that statement violates the underlying premise because that's a concrete statement of fact. All reality is perception, or perception is reality. That is saying that's, that's concrete. That is the concrete. But the underlying premise of that is that there is no concrete. Okay? So, to me, that one disqualifies itself because it violates its own premise. Okay? And also, you don't have to go too far down the line with perceptions about what this is until you get some that you just sort of, okay, um, why am I wasting my time listening to this? Okay, my perception is that this is a bathtub, let's say. Or my perception is that this is some kind of a flying contraption, that I flip it over, get on top of it, and fly out the window kind of like... Well, if perception is reality, uh, obviously some things... Uh, about some things in the universe and life where we might like to say perception is reality because we want to value everyone's opinion. You have to know in your heart it's not true. This, this isn't a whiteboard writing instrument and a flying board. It's not. It's just flat not. And, and you can talk about all day that it is, and it doesn't make it so. Alright, so that's kind of a ridiculous example. Where am I going? Okay, I think the first place we have to go is, is there a God or spiritual reality, or is there not? Because that is a game changer. First of all, you can't have it both ways. You can't say there is no God and there is no spiritual reality. It's all perception. And there is a God and there is a spiritual reality. It's either true or it's not. There either is a God or there's not a God. Alright? The person's perception doesn't cause him to keep disappearing into thin air every time they think, yes, but my perception is that that... No, things don't work that way. Okay? So is there a God or is there not? One thing that's fascinating to, fascinating to me, and, and, and by the way, there was a time in my life when I quit believing there was a God. Absolutely. Everything in my life was kind of crashing at the same time, and I've been trying to live a good life, and everything was failing, all right? Um, but one thing that's very interesting to me about this is that in the history of mankind, the most consensus view of anything 
has tended to be the most obvious view. Example, when we look at the earth from the earth, it looks flat. It just does, right? I mean, there's mountains, but then you go on the other side of the mountain and you can see for miles and miles and miles, all right? And we keep driving flat on a road and we can drive flat on a road and go around the whole thing and never get to the end, right? Well, guess what? That's exactly what they believed before we were able to look at things from the sky, from space. They thought the world is flat and... Nobody has just ever gotten to the end of it yet. It's so huge, all right? That was the consensus view. And it, uh, another one that all of you know, um, everything revolves around the earth. The sun, the moon, the planets, everything. We're the center. Everything revolves around the earth. Put Galileo in jail for this one, all right? And that was the consensus view, right? Well, guess what? It was wrong, as was the earth flat, and many, 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 many others in our history. So, what has been true as far as a consensus of belief of people on earth throughout history, and even in ancient writings, appears to be whatever was most obviously true from looking around. Okay? And usually it's overwhelming. Like, that's what 98% of people believe, you know. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's true with one exception. And that is, is there a God or spiritual reality? Because to me, when you look around, what you see evidence of is matter and people, and wind, and physics, and things like that that we can see with microscopes, but not God or some other spiritual reality beyond the laws of earth and the universe. We don't see that, okay? Now, maybe, maybe a person says they see that, Years ago, if they did and kept to that story, we would put them in a hospital, all right? Don't do that much anymore, but they're still looked down on for having that belief, all right? Well, the one exception is that based on the latest statistics that I've found, this is 2020, approximately... 95 to 97% of all people on planet Earth believe in a God or spiritual reality. Meaning there is something mystical. There is something miraculous. There is something... Um, out there. There is something when I have my last heartbeat and this body will not work anymore, the great majority here says, that's not it for me. I've still got something else to go on to. All right? And I'm not here to debate the, 
heaven and hell thing, at least not right now. But why? Well, we have never discovered a civilization that did not worship something. And they don't have the Quran, they don't have the Bible, they don't have the, the Book of Islam, they don't, they don't have any of that. But they worship something, the sun or a waterfall or a palm tree or, or they build something and worship it. No exceptions. All through history, the great majority of people believe the thing that is most unbelievable, that there is a God or spiritual reality without the empirical evidence and worship something that they would consider in the miraculous realm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I don't believe that is an accident or a malfunction I believe it is a huge clue. Let me go on a little further. If there is not a God or spiritual reality, and all of this just happened through some one-time-in-forever history thing, now that, that the people who are in that group typically don't believe in miracles, everything happened in a way that is explainable and logical. So maybe lightning hit the goo and the light and the goo became alive and over three trillion quadrillion years it ended up being me and you. Alright? But there was no miracle. It was it was just natural. Okay? That's one of the possible explanations and one of the most popular all right. Now, those would be in the five in the in the 3 to 5% of the population, okay? Even though they would probably say they have more empirical evidence for their position, they're still only in like 3 to 5% as far as a consensus on the way things really are. Okay? But yeah, that is a legitimate line of thinking as to how this might have gotten here. I'll acknowledge that. Here's the problem. If there is no God or spiritual reality and it is all just evolution, now it could be evolution with God, but God caused the evolution. But if it's evolution with no God, no spiritual reality, then what makes sense and it's not me saying it makes sense. It's the textbooks on this subject from the 3 and 5% going back hundreds of years. What makes sense is survival of the fittest. To that, and, and that everything works the way everything in nature and the universe works, which is action-reaction, karma, you reap what you sow, stimulus response, Newton's three laws of motion, and all of it is kind of summed up in survival of the fittest. Which means that the meaning of life is for me to get what I want, when I want it, the way I want it, as much as I can get it. That, that's it. Okay? 
Seek pleasure, avoid pain. That is the natural law of the universe. Okay? Well, okay, that makes sense. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with it is that it's not how we're built. If we evolved without a spiritual reality or higher power, then the way we humans work, our brain and nervous system and mind, etc., should also work according to survival of the fittest, seek pleasure, avoid pain, all of that. Okay? But the reality... Terrible drawer, by the way. Sorry. The reality is that if I live by that, seek pleasure, avoid pain, survival of the fittest, get what I want, that's my thing, that causes the hypothalamus to pull the red switch, which is fight or flight, and I start to have malfunction after malfunction as long as I'm living that way. Negative thoughts, negative feelings, negative emotions, higher blood pressure, pain. I get older faster. I get sick a lot. Cancer, diabetes, MS. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying cancer's your fault. I don't believe that, but that does happen when our stress fight-or-flight response gets turned on when it's not supposed to get turned on. Well, when it's supposed to get turned on, again, is twice a year when the 18-wheeler is about to pull over on me and kill me, so my, my unconscious mind takes over and reacts faster than I can think, and I pull the car over and it saves my life. But then 15 minutes later, I'm flipped out of emergency mode back into physiological peace. Okay? Ladies and gentlemen, that's how we're built. We're built so that if we live by seek pleasure, avoid pain, we malfunction as a human being machine, and we malfunction more and more the longer we keep living that way. But, if we choose to live in the way that violates seek pleasure, avoid pain, the way that I, I don't go for what I want, I give up what I want for, for the sake of love and other people's best interests are put equal to and even above mine. If I live that way, then the fight or flight failure switch gets turned off, the success gets switch gets turned on, I have positive thoughts, positive feelings, positive emotions, positive hormones, my immune system goes through the roof and starts healing anything that needs to be healed, I don't get sick at least near as much. So here's the problem. I, as I see it, if the truth is there is no God or spiritual reality, which means there are no miracles, everything is logic and reason 
And when we're dead, we're just dead in the field and that's the end of it. Survival of the fittest. Okay? Now back in caveman days, that probably meant actual survival. Today's survival of the fittest is more seek pleasure, avoid pain, and get what I want and stay away from what I don't want. That would be a successful survival of the fittest. So if that were true, then we should see our brain, nervous system, and all, which came from the same evolutionary process as everything else, if you're in the 3 to 5%, but that's not what we see. We see that we are built to function in literally in opposition to seek pleasure and avoid pain once we're of a certain age and your life is not in imminent danger. We're to give up what we want. We are to voluntarily choose and be okay with enormous amounts of pain and suffering. We're even willing and, and, and ready and will do it to give my life for someone else's life that I love and care about. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not survival of the fittest. That's love. And love makes no sense in a survival of the fittest paradigm. Survival of the fittest paradigm does, make, does not make sense in a love paradigm except for those two times a year when my life is in imminent danger and that's what the mechanism's there for. But today, the average person is going to the dark side, let's say, five to thirty times a day when it's supposed to be happening twice a year for thirty minutes total. We're living there, and that is why we're sicker and sicker, and the latest research has even said our um, longevity in life, our lifespan has now started to decrease, where for several decades it was increasing. For the first time recently, our lifespan is starting to decrease again, and everywhere you look, it's about stress. Well, what is stress? Stress is living in the seek pleasure, avoid pain, stimulus response paradigm. And we're only supposed to do that a few minutes a year. But 99 out of 100 people today are virtually living there. And we wonder why? What's wrong? What's, what's, well, I believe it's because we are living as if we believe there is no God or spiritual reality even though we are built for God and spiritual reality. You know, one of the most crazy, unbelievable, fantastic experiments ever done in the history of science was done by Albert Einstein and two of his buddies and um, what the, it was called a thought experiment. And what they found is that two people who don't even hardly know each other are connected at a distance to the point that one person's thoughts can directly affect the physiology of another person 
miles away, hundreds of miles away, potentially millions of miles away, instantly. Well, that is not survival of the fittest. I would absolutely say that is in the spiritual realm. That's the kind of thing where a mom is having lunch in Manhattan with a friend of hers and all of a sudden she has this look on her face and stops eating and her friend says, what's the matter? And she says, Jane's in trouble. Jane is her daughter who lives in California. Oh, I'm sure she's fine. No, no, Jane's in trouble. So she calls and sure enough, Jane was in trouble. One of my best friends growing up, John Blahakis, had one of these happen to him and his family. Just like that. John was at home with his head stuck between the banisters turning blue and his mom had had one of those in the car on the way to, to a vacation and they turned around and came back and, and saved George from suffocating. Had no way of knowing that. Okay, well, to me, that's in the spiritual reality. And Einstein started discovering the evidences of that back in 1935, I believe. So, to me, the meaning of life, you have to, at least my conclusion, is that there is, I'm in this group, there is a God and a spiritual reality. And one day, whether it's tomorrow or in 50 years, when this body quits breathing and my neurons quit firing, that is not the end for Alex. In fact, I think in many ways it will be the beginning. That this life is more about finding God and what God wants me to do, me to be, who I am, what am I, okay? And then the next, the next one of the five questions is what is my purpose in life and your individual purpose? But before we get there, for me, it's that there is a God or spiritual reality and God programmed us for love, joy, peace, for success, for happiness, for health, for uh, positive outcomes in our life. That's how we're built. That's how we're made. That's how we're programmed. Okay? And that is the only way we function correctly. If we do not believe in that, and so survival of the fittest, the law of the day is fear. Fear of what? Fear that I'm not going to get what I want. Which is kind of living like a five-year-old. But it's how all of nature works, really, besides us. Okay? Well, if I live my life that way, the hypothalamus in my brain flips the stress, fight or flight, emergency response. Negative thoughts, feelings, hormones, chemicals, negative signals to my body, cells close, and I start to malfunction all over the place. If I choose to live in love, put others equal or better than myself, etc., 
the failure switch is turned off, the success switch is turned on, and I start I, and I start being happy, healthy, successful, um, better and better and better. I, I call it my best possible life. Okay, so that's the first step is I do believe in this, okay? Now, if you don't believe in that, then you've got to make sense out of all of this when survival of the fittest is not how we're built to work. In fact, it will mess up how we're built to work. But survival of the fittest is the realm of evolution and that it all just happened. There's not a God or spiritual reality. So if that's where you are and you're not willing to maybe reconsider, and I'm always ready to reconsider, by the way. Solomon said, always be searching, always be open to new truths, okay? But if that's where you are and you're not moving from that, then I think the meaning in life for you probably is to just seek pleasure and avoid pain and get as much of what you want as you can until you fall over. And then it really didn't matter anyway because in a few years, you're just bones in the desert. Okay? The other way... It matters immensely what I do here because this world is a stepping stone to the next world and maybe even a much more extraordinary existence than is even possible here. Okay, so I've still got a problem because now I've gotten to, okay, my meaning of life is that there is a God and a spiritual reality, but I could make a lot of different choices. There's a lot of different religious groups and non-religious groups that say there's a God or spiritual realities. And they can they all be right? I don't think so, because that's back to the perception thing. Perception is reality. No. If, if two groups say conflicting things about the same thing to the point that they cannot possibly both be true, then it, not trying to hurt anybody's feelings, but we have to come to the conclusion that one of them's wrong. So which religion, which spiritual perspective? Okay. After Hope kicked me out of the house, I started reading and studying every religion, every uh, New Age uh, Christian scientist, everything that I could think of that might possibly be the truth because I was reevaluating everything in my life. I came to the conclusion that if there is a God or spiritual reality that is anyone that I would want to have something to do with, then the God would need to prioritize love. Because if the only thing that the God prioritizes is fear or going by a set of rules that I can't possibly do right, then that doesn't help me much either because I'm going to end up failing anyway. I'm going to try to do all the rules thing for the God who is waiting to smack me when I step my toe out of line 
okay? And I tried hundreds of times to do all that stuff right. Never could do it, okay? Well, I found one group, one worldview where God not only is love the top priority, but it says God is love. He is the source of all love. And we were made in love. And the point of this life is love. And the way you win life is love. And, and which is exactly how we're built. When we choose love, we work correctly. When we don't, we start to malfunction and it gets worse and worse and worse. Okay? Okay. But it's not just love. There also has to be truth. Truth always points the way to love. Love always comes and points the what comes from and points the way to truth. Every problem in our memories our mind, our heart. In fact, Southwestern University Medical Center found this uh, in one of the most extraordinary studies where they were looking for the source of illness and disease. And after years, they said, we found it. And they're interviewing Dr. Eric Nessler, a medical doctor from Harvard, who's chairman of the department at Southwestern. And this was uh, uh, in newspapers all over the world the next day, on the news and internet, everywhere. We found it. We found the source of illness and disease. And, and they said we're calling it cellular memories. Just delete the word cellular. It's your memories. If you have memories with unforgiveness, anger, etc. in them, those things send a signal and cause the brain to pull the fire alarm. Where I get negative thoughts, negative feelings, negative hormones, negative behavior, guilt, shame, start to malfunction. Okay? Every memory, as I've worked with people over 30 years, every person's problem that is connected to a memory, every single time there is a lie or untruth in the memory. And it's not the memory itself that's causing the fire alarm mode. It's the lie or untruth in the memory. So, untruth will do the same negative stuff to us that the fire alarm itself does. In fact, the, the, what we call a lie detector test is in reality just a stress test, which means you've asked the person a question that sends a negative signal to the hypothalamus. The hypothalamus pulls the stress switch and all the machines you're hooked up to interpret that as a lie. Well, it's pretty true because from those in those memories are the lies and untruths that keep us malfunctioning. If it, if, it, if it was love and truth, then the hypothalamus wouldn't receive the negative fear-based signal. It would receive a love-based signal. And for that, it flips the success switch. Positive thoughts, feelings, hormones, etc. Okay? So you have to have love. You have to have truth. You have to have justice, number three. In my opinion, God would have to be, or the spiritual reality, would have to be a God of justice. I told you before, every civilization we've ever discovered worshipped, even if 
we could find no reason, no book they had or anything else of why or that they should worship. The other thing every civilization has is a code of justice. If we were all on an airplane right now that crash-landed on some uh, island in the South Pacific, after making sure everybody was safe and grabbing all the water and food, because we don't know how long we're going to be here, probably the next thing, the third thing we would do is set up a system of justice. Everyone gets one bottle of water every so often. And if, if we find out that John over here has been stealing three more bottles of water for every time period, what would we do? Well, we might try to reason with him at first, but if he keeps doing that, we're going to put him in jail. We're going to find a cave or something and get a couple of men to guard it because this thing has to be just. It has to be right. It has to be um, principled. Okay? Every civilization. So you need love. You need truth. You need justice. And number four, and this may be the biggest one, if there is a God or spiritual reality and they are love-based, you have to have grace. You just have to. Love would always choose grace for the object of its love, 100%. 100% of the time. Real love would never choose judgment, condemnation, punishment for the object of their love. Now you're thinking, well, what about disciplining children? No, 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 I'm not talking about that. The, 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 what you're trying to achieve there is love and, and discipline, okay? That, and by the way, that discipline has to be administered in love or it's going to negatively affect the child anyway, okay? But real love, at least long-term, would always choose love. It would always choose grace for the object of its love. So when I was searching again, I said, okay, what has that for? What has those for? A, a God or spiritual reality that is love-based, truth-based, justice-based, and enacts grace rather than punishment and law. And I could only find one. And it was in this book, the Bible, and other people who wise people who um, taught me that a lot of what we read in here is not what it really says because it was mistranslated. Now, I'm, I, don't, I don't mean to go far with that, okay? But here's where I do want to go because I, I, that is true, okay? The people who translated the various versions of the Bible, uh, of course, wanted it to make sense and so they would have to be biased according to how they think all of this stuff, these four things, love, truth, justice, grace, work together. So they would change the English to make it work, work to make it make sense based on their understanding. But what if they had the wrong understanding? Got a problem. 
But here's what I came to. Um, the basic message that I don't think is challenged of what is in here. And, um, and by the way, that's why I, I, I call myself a follower of Jesus, not a Christian. Because you ask 100 people what the word Christian means, and you're going to come up with at least 50 different answers. That, and, and maybe all of them, for sure most of them, I disagree with. And I no, that's not what I believe. That's not me. Okay, so I, I'm a follower of Jesus. Now, it, once I understood what you meant by that word, then maybe I, oh yeah, okay, then I, yeah, I would say I'm that. But I can't just say it in general because so many of the greatest atrocities ever visited upon mankind were done in God's name or Jesus' name. And still just makes me shudder today. That was not God. That was men and women with power, control, money, political uh, posturing, selfish, selfishness is, is what that was. Okay, and I don't want to have anything to do with that. But the basic message of this, to me, is that God is a being of love who is love, not capable of anything but love. And God was lonely, and so he decided to make you and me to be in loving relationship with him and with each other, you and me as well. But so the point of all of this is love, but love has to be a, a free will choice. If love is forced on me, then that's not love. I didn't have a choice. I had to. That's law, not love. So for there to be real, true love, there has to be a pretty equal choice for me not to love and the freedom to choose that path. And I believe that's exactly what we have here on earth. There's a path of love and a path of fear. Fear is related to our survival instinct. The other name for the fight or flight response is the fear response. Survival of the fittest is the paradigm for evolution. There is no God or spiritual reality. It's evolution. It all just happened. But wait a minute. We don't work on survival of the fittest unless we're in an actual life or death emergency. If we're not and we live by survival of the fittest, we start to malfunction and we malfunction more and more the longer we live that way. So the only way to live in what I call your absolute best life, as happy, healthy, successful, everything as you possibly can, in my opinion, is to choose that there is a God. Actually, you're not choosing there is a God. That's a reality. There either is or isn't. Okay? 
But I believe in that reality. I believe that's the reason with little empirical evidence, in fact, more evidence to the contrary about this one issue, 95 to 97% of us believe in the thing that there's the less evidence about, even though with everything in history, it goes the other way. Why about this one thing? Because it's built into us like a homing beacon. Okay? We know it's about love. One of the most um, heartbreaking things for me as I've counseled and, and done therapy with people is working with people at the end of their life who basically have lived in fear all their life. Seek pleasure, avoid pain. I want and I'm going to try to get what I want. Now, I'll try to be as socially acceptable as I can while I get what I want. But if that doesn't work, then I'll have to get more and more aggressive regardless of whether people like me or not because it's about getting what I want, okay? Well, I've counseled people at the end of their life who, who led that kind of life. That was the choice they make. And some of them even thought it was right. Ladies and gentlemen, every single one of them at the end of their life knows they made the wrong choice. They know it's all about love. And, and I've sat there with, with people who were at the end of their life who literally just wept for hours because it finally hit them. They had missed the meaning of life. Please don't miss the meaning of life. Love, truth, justice, grace. A spiritual reality where we get positive thoughts, positive feelings, positive hormones, and your best possible life. Um, I have a relationship now with God, with Jesus. And that is the most important thing in my life. And uh, my wife will tell you that when I was living my life up until about 28 for what I want, I was miserable and, and she wanted to divorce me and really got to a place where she hated me. I almost lost everything, realized what was important, made a commitment to it, started trying to live that, and my life ever since has been beyond my dreams. So that's what I suggest today, that the meaning of life is to find God and who I am in relation to God and to other people and to realize every single day I have a choice. I can choose the path of love or I can choose the path of fear. The path of fear is, is seek pleasure, avoid pain. What I want, trying to control end results so that I'm sure to get what I want. The path of love is in the present moment doing whatever I'm doing as best I can 
from a place of love, joy, and peace, what is truth, what is right, what is mutually beneficial, win, 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 putting others and, and their, what they want, just as high as what I want. That's the choice. And I believe, I believe, that is the meaning of life. To find God, who am I, to see the choice I have in this life and to choose love, to choose God and relationship with Him, to choose you and loving relationship with you. Um, I'm not claiming that in this hour or whatever I've solved the dilemma. Just my perspective coming at it from a few angles for your consideration. I would be honored with your feedback. But last thing, people who live and seek pleasure avoid pain. That's exactly what they get. They get pain and pain and pain and pain and they keep having to do more to get the same amount of pleasure and it grows into habits and addictions and all kinds of stuff. People who really choose love, and I say that because some people say that who've not chosen love. They're trying to do love from a get what I want and seek pleasure, avoid pain place, and that won't work either. You have to give up the end result in in choosing love but people who choose love tend to be living or getting to their best life people who choose anything else tend to not i believe this is a love story that god is love um, he wanted to love me he wanted to love you and so he created what I call the miracle plan of love to not only create you and me for love, but then to pay the price for all my mess-ups so that the only place I can find it on planet Earth, love truth, justice, and grace. Grace has to be paid for. So consider it. Um, I, I, I love constructive criticism. I know some of you are, are probably going to think, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard in my life. That's fine. That's fine. But pray about it. Meditate on it. Think about it. And then uh, next time, we're going to question number two. What is your specific purpose? Thank you so very much. Have a wonderful, blessed day.